So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. Hey everybody, Jerry here with another exclusive offer for our loyal Kafaru Cast listeners. Our friends over at All In Company are giving listeners 10% off their all-new magnetic digiscoping system. And did I mention free shipping? That's right, 10% off plus free shipping. So head on over to allin.co, that's O-L-L-I-N.co, and enter in the promo code Kafaru, all caps, to save yourself 10% and get free shipping. Now here's Aaron with the podcast. Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. I uh, I did not sweat to death, uh, although it was it was close. Uh, but I am just back from Coleman, Alabama, at the Classic. Uh, I had a, several people ask if I would do kind of a circle back on this, as the redhead would say. What was Biden's uh, press secretary? <laughs> circle back. Um, so I got a longtime friend, writer, die homie, uh, on the podcast to talk about this. I've known uh, it's Greg Poole, known him for two decades, I guess. So, Greg, what's happening? What is up, brother? It's uh, I was just out in Pennsylvania for outdoor nationals, and that was that was swampish. Um, you know, back here in Prescott Valley, you know, out here everything shuts down at thirty percent humidity. But I've been where you just were, um, and that is the capital of swamp ass country. Um, and I mean, first of all, congratulations on surviving. Um, but. Yeah, that uh, I, I I can't understand why they have tournaments and you know literally at the doorknob to hell, but they do, and some of those people don't seem to mind it. But uh, us left coasters, man, it it kicks us right in the junk. I can't remember if it was uh, Steve Anderson uh, or somebody else said, uh, how, you know, how's it going? How you handling this? And I was like, man, if I owned hell in Alabama. I'd rent out Alabama right now and I'd live in hell. This is fucking horrible. I was like, it's, and that was the only negative side about the tournament. They run it extremely well. It's very well put together. The course is super safe. Everybody was super friendly, but I literally had to wipe my eyelids every shot because sweat was pissing into my eyeball and my vision is not that good. Anyway, it was hot. It was just hot, but I'm gonna stop whining about that. So yeah, well, I mean, look, it's, Literally for those that don't, I can remember way back when, when I was, when I was doing bee stinger with Blair Sandberg, we were in Metropolis and this is when it was the known 50. It was also back when I could actually shoot good and we're sitting there and it was right when they started to pay five grand and Blair Sandberg's like, bro, it's, it's five grand. You could go out there and you would do well. The heat index was like a buck 20 and I'm like, there was no air moving. Literally it was the most stagnant. It was, I just, no, I just sat in the booth and was like, I'm not going. No, I, nope. I refuse. I just can't. I just can't. My, my body and, and all of that just doesn't function in environments like that. But, but they have been doing those events for, for a while. They got their system down and, uh, I mean, they have a good, they have a good, uh, you know, village per se, uh, vendor area. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it would be cool if they did those events in some places that weren't where they are. But to be honest, I'm just, I mean, you and I both know they could bring an ASA like that out to the West coast and a couple hundred people would show up. It's just not, 
it's regional. That's all I'm going to say. It's regional. Uh, yeah. And I mean, we'll talk about that um, a little bit because I want to kind of cover multiple different things on this podcast. You know, one, just, you know, the tournament, kind of what to expect for people that were thinking about going to these. Um you know, uh, my, my, you know, the, the, what I saw as far as, you know, it was, it was pretty crazy. Cause you know, back, back when I was shooting, um, you know, like if you shot 12 up and unknown, you were lighting the, the forest on fire, right? Like that was a, I mean, and, and, and there were scores higher than that, but eight, 12 up was, was a good score, uh, each round. Right. And that's about actually Levi, I think shot 14 up one day, which, I got to say, I, I, unless Levi and Justin are lying, they did have the funnest tournament they've ever had uh, because of me or partly because right. of me. We, we did drink a lot. I will say that. Um, but like right now, like so when I when I when I I went to I was going to shoot and you and I talked about it. I was going to shoot like uh, known 45 or the pins class because I like right. shooting pins. I love bow hunter. You were encouraging me to do something like that. <laughs> Levi called me not nice things. And I'm like, let me just weigh out the chances of making like full, like in, ending up dead last and, mm -hmm. or shooting in the pin class and getting made fun of by a lot of people. And I'm like, I'll risk it. What's the worst going to happen? Right. It's just money. I'm, I'm helping out, you know, whoever I'm, I'm, I'm supporting Kyle Douglas with my entry fee. So, <laughs> And so for, right. for, I thought, well, I want to end up somewhere in that 10 to 14 up each day, which I thought was feasible. And the second day I shot better than the first. And, you know, when I shot uh, the GPO, I shot with Chris Perkins and Aaron McGlattery. And I think I hit six out of 10, 12s, maybe five. I shot good. Mm -hmm. And the next day I shot the GPO with Levi and Justin Hanna and uh, a guy named Rob shoots semi-pro and Levi Reit Reitschner, he, uh, semi-pro guys, great dudes. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to aim at every 12. That did not end well for me. I think I shot a 98. I'm like, hmm, I'm going to shoot right. in the middle tomorrow, right? I'm just going to shoot in the middle and call it good and and get my nerves settled, whatever. So I shot with uh, Stefan Hansen. Mm -hmm. He shot an eight on his first target. He didn't shoot anything but a 12 for 16 more targets. He hit 16 12s in a row, 15 for sure, but I think 16. Right. And I, you know, and, and when people are asking me this and that's why one of the things I wanted to get you on here, cause you've been to these shoots and you know how to shoot. It's not like you're Levi Morgan, but you're also not, uh, whatever T-bone calls Billy, Billy Joe lunch bucket. You've been in the scene for a while. Right. You're talking about a game of fraction of an inch, right? A game of inches. So I think I shot one eight each day and I'm like, guys, I didn't shoot bad. I just didn't shoot as good as everyone else. I'm like, I hit a softball or smaller every time. No problem. Right. These guys were hitting right. quarters. And, so, you know, the, the me being out by a quarter of an inch, three-eighths of an inch, an eighth of an inch, there was a lot of those. And, and the second day was the same. I had a great group of people. But if you shoot 40 up, you might be in the top 30, right? Right, like in the open, in, in the known pro class. Um, yeah. Yeah, depending on how hard the course is, I'm not sure you'll make the shoot down at 40 up. I mean, now you got to be 50 plus up. Um, but here's the thing that folks don't understand is they hear open pro, unknown distance, and everybody can generally grasp the idea of unknown distance on a 3D target. That's fairly easy to comprehend. 
when you add the word known, everybody automatically associates that with, I know how far it is. I aim at that. I shoot at that. I either hit or miss that. That's a logical fallacy when it comes to the known pro because you don't have anything to aim at. And if you don't know the targets, you don't know where the 12 rings are, you don't have good enough eyes to see them. Th- yes. 30th place you, was a 430, by the way. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. So so you can, you can literally hit every arrow hole you were aiming at and still shoot even. Because if you don't know where the, where the rings are, there's no dots on these animals. And that's what's the most impressive thing to me and always has been about 3D archery, whether it's known or unknown, is these, these folks are aiming at shit they can't see. They're area aiming. Now, Levi has the eyes of an antelope. I get it. Danny McCarthy and these guys are, they're, it's, it's crazy. Uh, you know, Stefan Hansen and the Perkins and the Kyle Douglases. These guys have amazing eyes. I do not. You are not their age either. So I would suspect you're probably in between them and me and your level of blindness. And so it's not good, you know, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And so these targets, generally speaking, you know, like if you get, you know, some that are black on white or whatever, or have a light spot, you can kind of get a reference. But that's the thing is when, when you add the word known, this ain't Redding, this ain't field, this ain't indoors. You have nothing to aim at. And it becomes even more critical that your sight tape is absolutely positively 100% dead nuts because here's why if you and I are shooting a Redding or a field course or whatever, and we step up to 50 yards and you just make the most perfect shot Aaron Snyder can even make. And it's a six o'clock X just hung the X at six. You know, my mark is my mark's a little funky. I'm going to, I'm going to adjust that mark a little bit. If you're shooting known pro, you don't have that amount of finite. So if you shoot and catch, you're not really sure exactly where you're aiming to begin with. So you're stoked. You got the 12, but you're like, Hmm. So you can't necessarily nail it down. So the, the quality of your sight tape in 3d is absolutely unbelievably important. And a lot of folks just kind of take that for granted, especially ones that come from the known world, field, reading, et cetera, FIDA, whatever it may be. They come in and in those, you have a little bit of room for error because you can shoot a sick group and see where you're at and adjust to it. Well, in the known pro or the, or the open pro, you don't get that. But like you called me after day one. And for those that, that don't know, uh, Stefan Hansen's from, from Denmark now living down in Mexico, but, um, tell, tell them, what he said to you. And this folks is the simplicity of the mentality for someone who is fully vested in it <laughs> versus the mentality of a guy like Aaron who's new to it. Now, now keep, keep in mind, uh, Stephen had no idea who I was, right? He does not hunt. And when I say he doesn't hunt, he hasn't, I don't know that he's killed a mouse and not to say he's not capable, never hunted. Okay, so as Pete, like they, they, you know, the the owner of ASA came and talked to me, and the the camera guy, hey buddy, I'm so glad to, you know, and he's like, who the fuck are you? So somewhere in the middle of the day, he goes, hey, hey, just aim at my arrow, 
And I was like, right. yeah, I don't mean, man, I, I got to tell you, I'm a little, you know, nervous. I was like, I, I haven't done this in a couple decades, like almost as long as you've been alive, little buddy. And he's like, no, right. no, a couple clicks, just aim at my arrow. You hit center 10, good. And or whatever the hell, he's from Denmark, right? And, and uh, super good guy. And the dude was a stud. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, man, it's hard for me to aim at that upper 12. And he's like, no, no, aim middle, take clicks off. And I'm like, well, I'm taking about a yard off. He's like, yard and a half, no problem. I'm like, yeah, it's easy for you to say. And, and right. at one time I remember saying, hey, man, if I just said, no, just load up a backpack with 10 days of shit, no problem. You would not do it. And, right. you, and I said, and I, I am, and you know, the one thing I didn't want to be was Chris Brackett. I kept hearing about him shooting in the 380s and dead last. And I'm like, don't finish in the bottom 10, which thank God I didn't. Right. I'm like, right. just make a good showing. Don't look like an idiot. And so he right. is literally like, no, no, a couple clicks, no problem. And I'm like, yeah, it's no problem for you. Correct. Obviously, you just hit 15 12s in a row. And, and I mean, like 48 yard tar first arrow donut, like the dude could shoot. And oh, yeah. If Stefan and I shot on a bag side by side, and I'm not saying this to pump my own tires, probably wouldn't notice a difference, right? I can hit a dot at 50 yards, the size of a, you know, milk jug lid, you know, fairly consistently, mm -hmm. but that is not what it takes. It takes a lot more than that. And I'm not saying that like uh, in any other way than like, you know, the rubber met the road on the 3d course. And it was very impressive. All of these guys were amazing and they're super good dudes. But to him, he's like, look, you fuck, you, you fucking dummy take four clicks <laughs> off or, or whatever. And, and just aim right. at my arrow for safety. And I'm like, dude, you are really close to the five line. And I am nervous about bobbling a little high or low. And we, we go up to a Wolverine, whatever it was at. And it was four, like 46. And, uh, he's up donuts it. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to aim at center 12, center 12. He's like, Hey, Hey, big guy, you just aim at my arrow look, it's fine. It's no problem. And I'm like, no, it's a problem. Like I'm not aiming at your arrow dude. Like, yeah. So it, it, and he was a good dude. He was super cool. I liked him. He was a funny guy. And he, he, um, at one time, as I understand it, um, I mean, he didn't lose for a while and he shot a lot over in Europe as well. Right. Bro. It was, I think 2017. I can't remember the year. It's 2016 or 17. That dude won and was in every shoot off. It was the craziest he had a year that very few archers in our sport ever have. I'm talking like the Jesse Broadwater, you know, run the Dave cousins run Rio had a year like that. Roger Willett had a year like that. Occasionally someone comes out and is in everything, literally in contention to win everything. And he won a bunch. And uh, yeah, no, Stefan is an absolute savage. 100%. Well, and he was a good dude. And I, I think what I'm trying to like my wife, when I left in her mind, she's like, you're going to crush it. And I'm like, honey, I'm just hoping to finish in like the mid to uh, lower mid pack. Well, in her mind, she sees me shoot all day, 110, 115 yards in the 10 ring. And I, I am very aware where I was fitting in at this group. Right. I was like, OK, if I place 30th or 40th, I'll be happy. And, right. and, uh, you know, I, I will have shot to what my, what I feel my potential was, which, which I didn't, but I didn't embarrass myself. But in her mind, she's, she sees me shoot and I'm like, honey, these guys are on a different level. And she didn't understand. And I'm like, no, look, they hit that little ring every time or almost, I mean, 80% of the time. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, you're not, you know, if you, if you look at what some of these guys that Kyle Douglas is a good example, I mean, Kyle Douglas, I think one or two tournaments hit 75% 12s and 40 targets for the weekend. So he oh, hit yeah, that. Great. 
Oh yeah. It's amazing. And you know, I'm only bringing this up for people that are listening in because it's, it, it brings up a lot of other subjects. I mean, when you, when you talk about that, meaning IBO, ASA and TAC, you know, when you mm-hmm. talk about known pro to me, my limited experience, it's, it's a game of one, you got to shoot at every one and you cannot miss. And, and if you do, you can't miss more than, more than once. I mean, when I say that, meaning you can't, can't shoot a five. Um, you certainly oh. can only shoot an eight or, or maybe two at the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, and you're, you're not wrong. And so if you shoot like Stefan, you said shot an eight early, you have to shoot you. If, if you even want to be in the running and you shoot an eight in the known pro, you pretty much have to shoot six 12s in a row after that to even, to even feel like you're back in the hunt. And it has kind of, it has kind of become a, a can't miss game. There is an upper and a lower 12. Me personally, I think they should put the 14 back in play, but that's not my decision to make. But so, you know, here's one of the, here's one of the things about that particular venue at this time that, that I, I think needs to be adjusted. And that, you know, right now you have the open pro, which is your Levi's or Danny's. Let me back up one second. You said something about shooting the metal and, and, and the strategy of things. When you ask Levi Morgan why he's the goat of 3D archery, he doesn't tell you judging yardage and he doesn't tell you his shooting ability. He tells you it's his ability to manage a course. People don't understand and they don't want to understand that. They want to practice shooting. They want to practice judging. They don't want to practice how to properly manage the course. If you're the fourth person up on a bomb and, 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 something's completely and the 12's full there's a and you gotta lay up it's better safe than sorry so that's why levi is the goat and he'll tell you well because his ability to manage the course i'm gonna interrupt you because that exact thing happened and i'm not going to mention who it was he was trying to help but he had a a sit down with him uh the 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 guy was uh if he would have hit a 10 instead of an eight he would have made the shoot off and mm-hmm. the group that was with him was trying to tell him, shoot center 10. He's like, I don't want to know the score. He's one of those guys, right? I don't want to know the score. Right. Shot an eight. Didn't make the shoot off. And Levi's like, look, dude, like uh, like course management, target management is key here. Like yep. if you would have just shot in the middle, you would have caught a low 10 and been in the shoot off. And it's that tight of a race. But he didn't yep. want to know the scorecard. And it's like, look. You need to know the score because you need to know how aggressive or not aggressive to, to be. And I'm not speaking like, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Right. I'm just listening. To, I'm repeating what <laughs> Levi was telling me. And it was like, right. you know, the thing is same thing on the shoot down round. Right. Like, like, like Levi was pretty much, it was like, what did Levi say? It was the most anticlimactic classic he'd ever won. He had to hit an eight right at the end mm-hmm. of it. And, and he's watching <laughs> when he, you know, whatever I told him, if he won, I buy him dinner. He was like, well, if you're going to hand it to me, I guess I'll shoot a center 10. And he was laughing. Cause he's like, thanks for clapping, Justin. I'm like, look, man, I was way back holding your umbrella, but I clapped because right. all he had to oh, do was yeah. hit an eight. And so he That's shot it? center 10 and there was no, but if he didn't know the score in that class, he may have aimed at a lower 12. Obviously he's very good. You know, obviously five targets. He was on a six target, but you get the idea. And yeah, yeah. It was a javelina with the smallest 14 on the planet. Right. And right. so, you know, on his end, like how it ended up is all he had to do was hit center 10. 
uh, Danny, right. you know, gun for the lower t- or the, the 14, but I, you know, I'm, I'm watching this and I'm like, Oh, and I'm adding it up watching it. I'm like, Oh, he just has to hit a 10. He's good. Mm-hmm. And that, it, yep. that course management, he talked about it for a while. Yeah, well, it's true. And anyone that asks him, he'll tell them. I mean, everybody wants to practice and tune and judge yardage and yeah, you got to do that stuff too. But you, if you can't manage the course properly, you don't have a chance against a, a, a Levi or a Danny. It's just not happening. And so, so back to the, back to the known to, to unknown things. So right now the, the, the open pro, which is unknown has a max ish of 50 yards. They'll put some stuff out there at 53 or 54 cause they're pros and deal with it. And they all do. It's no big deal. Well, the known pro is pretty much the same. And so when you have guys like Stefan, um, as you saw, imagine shooting with Jesse Broadwater, Chris Perkins, Stefan Hansen, and Kyle Douglas, where the hell are you going to put your arrow under 50 yards? Everything's full. You, if you're shooting last in a group like that, you, you're going to have to lay up because there's just no room left. So there's a lot of us out there that think, look, if they want the known pro to not be a can't miss type game, which it shouldn't be, is it needs to be longer. Like, look, you're not going to make Levi judge 72 yard javelinas. That's not happening. But these known pro guys get range finders. So there's a lot of us that feel if they want to differentiate and they want to make the known pro game different enough, they got the, they got the territory. And like you said, the ranges are set up safe. I've not heard of anybody having accidents like that at ASAs, unless it was self-induced piece of equipment breaks or whatever, whatever. But, um, I think that the known, that the known pro needs to be 80. And the reason for that is just like I explained, whether you're Aaron Snyder and Stefan Hansen or whoever, not even, I mean, look, he, he, he will do it a lot, but you step up to a 66 yard or 68 yard coyote. There's going to be room in the 12, bro. If you can play, if you can, if you can swing like that and you got that much lead in your pencil and you can pipe the 12 ring on a coyote at 67 yards, you're probably going to hit it. Cause it's not going to be full of arrows. It's going to spread the field out a little bit and make it a different scenario. And so, you know, that is, that is one thing that they're doing over there that I think does need to be adjusted a little bit simply for the competitive side of things. Now, within that organization known distance is the growing is the growing segment, or I should say more the transfer over segment, but the water will naturally self-regulate. I don't care what anyone says for someone that goes, Oh, well, it's just unknown shooters going over to known. It's not actually new people who gives a shit. The water will self-level. The shooters are going to go where the shooters want to go and the organization will respond accordingly. That's the nature of things. You're the president of Kafaru. If all of a sudden one of your backpacks never sold for six months, what would you do with it? Yeah, I would get rid of it. Close that. Yeah. Conversely, if you had a pack that you couldn't make enough of, what would you do? You'd ramp up. Yeah, make more. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. These organizations, most of these organizations, uh, just care about what the care about what their constituency wants. And if the constituency wants more known, they'll give it to them. If they see a, a shift one way or another, it's a business. They have to somewhat respond to it. Now, conversely, if you go over to like the NFAA, 
Um, the NFA is way more versatile. It is basically our indoor and field organization. You know, they run the Super Bowl of Vegas, the indoor nationals, they sanction Reading, which is by far everyone's funnest event. You'll be there next year. Um, I'm sure by hook or by crook, you and Amy can come over and hang out. Um, <laughs> field nationals. I think this year was the 77th year for outdoor nationals field. A um, field is, is super fun. Um, but that organization is, is coast to coast. It's very um, diverse and indoors, outdoors, you know, field reading, that kind of stuff. You have USA archery, which is just your FIDA governing body organization. They do 18 meter stuff. They do 55 meter stuff outdoors. It's generally all in the wind, except for the indoor stuff. It's not for everybody. I don't particularly care for FIDA, but it is the governing body. And so it is what it is. Then you go over to the 3d Northern organization, which everyone knows as the IBO, the IBO at this particular point is unknown only. They do have a known course, which is not normal 3d animals. It's the uh, Reinhardt three legged round disc things with a white dot on it. Um, it's not really getting any traction at all. Um, but that organization uh, generally, you know, has all their events in, in the North and the Northeast. Um, they don't, they're not really interested in, in growing the organization into the known world, which is where it kind of seems to be going. Um, the difference between the 3d organizations, which you're already aware of is in the IBO they shoot for. So if you have a, just for a reference, if you have an eight inch, uh, um, 10 ring on a target in IBO in the very middle of it is the 11 very middle. That's it, the very middle in the ASAs, as you just experienced, that same eight inch circle will have a 12 ring in the bottom left or right and in the very top left or right. And so it is somewhat of a risk and reward, but it's a different scenario because in, in the, in the IBO, you're just aiming center. You would have done way good at an IBO because you're just aiming at the middle. There is no, there is no real risk and reward. If you miss by an inch, you're just going to catch it. You're just, you'll still be in the other ring. You're not going to, you know, fall from a lower 12 to a five. And so it, it's a different strategy entirely. Levi is still the goat of IBO as well, but, but that's kind of, you know, that's some of the differences and it really boils down to, you know, to what the archers are looking for. The IBO has a speed limit for pros, but not a speed limit for others. So if you want to shoot 355 sec, uh, feet per second with an 80 grain point and miss really fast, by all means, that's where you go. The ASA has the 288 plus or minus 3% and little bit more down the mainstream of, of, you know, what most of all of us are, are, are going to think, you know, as far as accuracy goes, uh, as far as growth goes, you know, the ASA has had some pretty good growth the last, you know, five to 10 years, uh, NFA continues to blow up, you know, the IBO is just kind of on, on idle. But other than that, it just really comes down to what, what the archers individual, um, desire is for the event that they want to go to. You know, and, and while we're talking about that, um, when you, uh, you know, cause I, I, I base everything, you know, my, the way my brain works, um, you know, working with multiple companies, have my own company, um, you know, numbers wise, like, uh, you know, cause you, you look at like TAC events, 
you know, mm-hmm. t- tack events are made to, you know, to a couple things like have fun, right? Come out and, and, and fling some arrows. And mediocrity is accepted at tack. When I when I say that, meaning on my course, a guy missed a target. Everyone around me stopped. Like it was not. Well, let's say I finished last place. God forbid. Thank right. God I didn't. I would be all over the internet in a not a good way right now. I'm probably still on the internet in not a good way. But I mean, as far as like, at least I didn't place in the bottom 10. Right. You can show up to attack. It's, it's, it's like, I mean, if you don't miss a target, you've done something wrong. It's made to miss. It's made to go out. There's no score. You go have fun. Sean was very smart when he made that. And it's like, okay, what's going to draw people to uh, to attack? What's going to draw people to an ASA? Um, one, I will say attack event is, is pretty, you're on a ski resort, right? It's, it's, you, you take a ski lift to the top and shoot down. I mean, how cool is that? Right. I mean, it's, it's pretty, and the weather's a little, you know, it's not as humid, but you're not, there's no, uh, unit of measure, right? You're not walking off that saying I shot good today, other than internally, there's no score really to speak of or anything like that. And, and they're, they're much more difficult shots, meaning, you know, you don't really have to have your second and third access dialed. I mean, I'm not saying you don't, but it's, you know, I shot on a highway pretty much every day, right? Like it's a flat, you know, there's a couple of two foot rises, but I mean, right. You've, you've heard about tax. I don't know if you've been to one, but it's not uncommon to wing a 104 arrow or a 104 yard shot at a 37 degree angle. That's not right. uncommon. No. And- yeah, you're absolutely right. And and so look, let's let's chat about the TAC thing. You know, obviously you've seen PSD going full force, Kafaru, AAE, you know, Black Rifle. You're seeing a lot of people investing in TAC. And, you know, a lot of people from the world that you just came from are twisted about that and they can't figure it out. Um, our good buddy Tim Gillingham can't wrap his mind around the fact that someone wouldn't want to keep score. So first of all, I'm going to say this at the beginning. So hopefully by the end of this podcast, people get their, get over their feelings about it. They probably won't send all your hate mail to Aaron Snyder, gmail.com, Aaron Snyder, gmail.com. And I'm so good. I'm good. Here, here's, <laughs> I hope that's not your real email. So here's the thing. Take the, um, I don't generally need to sugarcoat shit, but I'm feeling like I do on this one. So take the, take the health, the physical health, of the constituency you saw at the ASA and put that on a tack course and tell me how you think that would work out. I can tell you on the Sitka course in uh, Terry peak, South Dakota, uh, you walk down, shoot it, shoot your way back and then walk out on a mountain. It wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. Right. Wouldn't be good. I, I mean, it some people just good. would, I saw a couple known pro, uh, pro guys that literally had to be 380 pounds, maybe four bills. Like there's some big ones. So, so, um, yes, what we're trying to say is the, the constituency at the event that Aaron was just at would not want, some of them would not be, a lot of them would not be physically able to shoot the TAC events. So just going to get started with that. So now we're going to move on to, it's not made for you is literally what it boils down to just a fact. Um, and in regard to what you said, you know, about Amy was saying, you're going to kill it and all that kind of stuff. I have an analogy for that. And that is you and I, um, 
I lift weights. I lift, I can lift heavy weights. I have told you, I can't even tell you how many times don't ever ask me to come hunting on one of these 14 day, 20 mile pack in some bitches. That's not me. It's not how I know I'm good. I'm good. Same thing goes for you going out to shoot against people like Stefan. That's not, no, it's not, that's not your gig. Uh, it, we all have our roles to play and I understand mine when it comes to hiking and camping and hunting with someone like you. And like you said earlier, you learned that when you go out to shoot against these known pro guys, they, they are not fucking around. It is another, it's another level entirely. And so, so when you come and you've said it exactly right, there is no unit of measure at the TAC events other than fun. And I'm telling you right now, as someone who, who is a consultant for a vein company, I don't have any association technically with an arrow company, but on behalf of every arrow company, every point company, every knock company and every vein company in the United States of the Americas, I, I thank you on all of their behalf for tax shooters because 500 of you some bitches will shoot an arrow into a log because you missed the target you, and you'll take a picture with it. You may have underjudged that. It may be closer to 1500. <laughs> but you get the, you're right. If you're right. And so that and, is almost a badge of glory at if, attack event. If you hit if a you tree shoot, in an ASA, you might as well have slept with your sister. If you're in an upper class. <laughs> literally, literally. So it's a total different unit of measure. And I've heard people that have come off TAC events. I've not been to one, but I've heard people who've been there and they're like, they will literally hear people saying, Aaron, I didn't lose a single arrow today. And the other guy's like, man, I only lost two. Good job, buddy. Hey man, I'm, I'm, that's cool. I have no problem with that, but it's an entirely different mentality. And the, and the thing that people in the target world or the tournament world need to understand and I'm going to include myself in this. Our mentality about competition is toxic to the mentality of the people who are at TAC events. It is. It's not what they want to deal with. It's not what they want to hear about. Not any of that at all. Because if myself and you, let's say uh, myself, Gaius Carter, you, Luke, and a couple other homies, say the clams and, and Jacob Pettit. Let's say we were all at attack and we were all on a course, not some 150 yard bomb where some of us are going to miss. Let's just say it's a steep 92 yard elk, relatively difficult shot. For the most part, if any of us miss that target, we're all laughing at you because we're all homies and we're all good enough shots that we shouldn't be missing. Just a fact. That's just what we're going to do. We're going to play skins we're going to have some sort of gambling going on and we will have some some form of internal unit of measure just for fun because that's how we are. But you have to understand the other thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are going to these tech events, they don't give a shit about that at all. They just want to go have fun. I've talked to Sean and several other people and, you know, obviously now they have the events in, in Michigan, Pennsylvania, I think it's, uh, uh, Tennessee, so they're putting events back East now and there, Aaron, there are archers. You probably already heard this. There are archers who buy a new bow 
put a movable side on it, put long stabilizers on it and get arrows specifically for that rig just to shoot tack events. It's not even what they hunt with. Yep. Let that sink in. Let that sink in folks. And they get these a, people, they get a tack pack to wear on the course. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a whole different thing, period. And so, so that is a culture unto itself. They don't even hunt with these things. Why? Cause they're generally shooting 17 yards out of a tree stand or a ground blind. They don't need all that shit. It just is what it is. And so from a company stand, I get this question a lot and I'm just going to explain it on your podcast. If people want to hate me for it, add it to the list, I guess. Um, did you hear, by the way, you obviously, you know, Dave Chappelle is, if not go over in the corner and practice falling down, I'll be there in a minute. I love Dave but Chappelle. Have you seen, oh dude, have you seen his most recent special? Uh, where he did the award ceremony or the one before that? Yeah. Yeah. The most recent one where he said that all the kids at his alma mater were super mad at him. Yep. So yep. he asked the kids what he had done wrong and they formed a line. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how I am with like, Hey, if you don't like me, you know, well, form a line, but I'm just going to explain this from a company standpoint. And I understand that there's niche markets. I understand that there's niches within our industry. Our industry is a niche industry. Don't give me the, well, we contribute 1.5 billion to the GDP. Yeah. One point there's singular companies that do more than that. So, but I love this industry. It's what I've dedicated myself to as of you. So let's take the ASA for instance. Um, if you take all of their events, you're generally going to get about a, maybe between 10 to 12,000 total human bodies at those events shooting a year. The, uh, lot of those people are the same people. So I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't know the percentage from about probably about three, four years ago, but the percentage was huge. So if you have 12,000 people there and 9,000 of them are the same people because four of your events, over half of your events were in the same state. Um, once I come to one or two as a company, I've seen you already. I can only sell a product to Aaron Snyder at events so many times. And if I sell you my widget at the first one, unless you lose it, you're not going to give a shit about seeing me and talking to me again at the fourth one. So keep keeping that in mind, there's a massive amount of, of redundancy in these people, excuse me, recidivism. These people are coming to a lot of these events, which is cool. Now, when we talk about the TAC event, First of all, Tech Event in Utah has over three thousand people. It has and so many people. They got two of them. There's two of them. Right? They had, <laughs> yeah, they had to make two. So many damn people. They had to make two events. Yep. Imagine Vegas getting so big. They had to do it in back-to-back weekends, or make it four days because there's so many damn people. And so, here's the thing about the Tech Events this year. The Tech Events, and I only know this because of the AAE deal where we were doing the the Vein promotion they're going to get about 35,000 original bodies, unique users through their gates this year. And their rate of recidivism is incredibly low. You don't have people, you have some people, but you don't have people going to every single tack across the whole country. So everywhere the tack goes, they are drawing from fresh water. So as a sponsor, as a booth, as a vendor, as a, as 
anybody as a company who has in, in, invested in tack, every tack event we go to, we get to see fresh people. If you can't comprehend exactly what that means from an ROI and a sales standpoint. And they Google like to it. break arrows and veins and knocks. But and so have, they love it again, my limited experience, I just showed up to the classic and it was an amazing event. Right. One of the things again, if, if it was it a big deal for me to go to South Dakota tech? Nope. Nobody gave a shit. Right. I mean, people wanted to meet me. Right. And I got to go shoot and I shot with the big ginger. Uh, I say big ginger, the ginger assassin, um, Ben Gutormson and, and Dan Jasso. And we got driven to the top of the mountain and Cade shot right. our way down. My wife came, ran into some people on the way, went over to the booth, talked. I could have shot literally and missed 15 targets or I could have shot, you know, 75 up. Mm-hmm. No one cared. Right. I go to the ASA. What would have happened? What would you say would have happened if I shot a 185 each day in the known pro class? You would have been memed until the day you die. Okay. So let's say I shot in the known 45, which the course isn't that much different. And I shot a 190. <sighs> I sucked so bad that I entered a lower class and still sucked. Right. That I think is what would have happened. I mean, yeah, I, I've already seen a couple text messages and, and I didn't shoot horrible. I shot a 410. I've already seen a couple from people like, oh, he thought he was big shit, showed up, whatever. Go to attack event. Right. I am judged off of my hunting ability and that I am personable talking to people. Totally different. Right. So, yeah. And, and that is that is part and parcel of it. For, so for those that aren't grasping what I'm saying, I'm going to use an NFA analogy for you. So in Vegas. Our Super Bowl of Archery, they generally get about, right about 4,000 people when it's not a Rona bro year. So 4,000 of those archers. Now you have to imagine it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds from other countries. Everybody flies to Vegas. It's Vegas. It's Vegas. It's a destination. So a month later, they have the NFAA Indoor Nationals in Louisville, Kentucky. Now you would think, and Louisville generally has about 2,000 to 2,500 people. So you would think, well, Indoor Vegas indoor five spot, everybody's going to be the same. Oh, not even close. So of the 25 of the 4,000 that come to Vegas, dude, literally only like 350 or 400 even go to indoor nationals. Most of them are pros and your top amateurs. So it's a whole different amateur crowd. You don't have 500 euros flying in for indoor nationals. You don't have any of that. And everybody in indoor nationals, most of those people are driving. That's why when they had to move it to Cincinnati, they drew a circle for driving hours to keep it within that perimeter. And so that is one of the things that is appealing to vendors and why you're seeing, I mean, let's be honest, dude, you don't see Yeti. You don't see a lot of these big companies in target archery for a reason. And so the TAC events are unique in their approach to the vendor area. They're unique in their approach to the style of shooting. And okay. There's a rule in the ASA that you can't bring a goddamn shovel to make better footing. That's a rule. And they didn't come up with that rule because nobody did it. Now in the tack events. Yeah, bro. You're on a mountain. Let's let's, footing. Hold on. (laughs) It's funny. You bring that up. So on one of the targets, and I'm not going to mention names that the new owner, which if you know him, it's good of ASA fucking guy was a stud. He was awesome. 
to me. He was great. He's going to film me. The steak is laying flat on the ground because let's just face it. They're not poured in concrete. It's a little piece of plastic. I bend over. I stab it right. in the ground. I shoot my target. He films it. He posts that on the ASA page or uh, competition archery media page, whatever it was. Oh, it's a zero. Well, technically it's not. You get a warning, but whatever. Right. And then I have multiple pros going, man, no one gives a shit. It's a highway. As long as you're close to the stake, don't worry about it. If, you're, if your group doesn't care, don't worry about it. Right. Again, this is, has, this is up to like, I don't know, 50 comments. And I talked a little shit in between, but I'm like, look, I'm new at this. I just followed the people to the lunch line. I stood where they did. On this specific target, the stake yeah. was on the ground. I, I bent over and stabbed it back in the ground. I could have stabbed it by my feet, Greg Poole's feet, Levi Morgan's feet on the other course. The fucking thing was laying on the ground. Stabbed right. in the ground and shot. It was probably mm-hmm. eight inches from my toe. Oh, my Christ. Right. It would have been like I slept with my sister. That's a zero. He's supposed to sl- And I'm like, holy cow, like it's a highway to the target. I didn't, you know, whatever. I, I didn't care. I was making jokes about it. But as you bring this up, there is a cone that no one gives a shit if you stand at it. You just got to be close. You can scoot closer. You're like, oh, 82. Fuck that. I'm going to shoot 97. Back up. Right? It's a very free range, right? As long as it's safe. Yeah. TAC events are, I mean, I've seen it. And so here's another thing about TAC. Now, look, if Aaron, and at some point, Gaius and I will come up and we'll hang out with Aaron and we'll go shoot a course with our hunting bows and it'll be fun. Are we going to shoot stuff at a buck 40? Yeah. 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 Cause we like yeah, it. Maybe more. And, <laughs> yeah. And we won't care if we miss, we'll yeet them at that distance, whatever. Wing and a prayer. If you are not comfortable, this is the thing about tack that a lot of competition shooters simply can't wrap their mind around. Cause they're just like, suck it up buttercup. That's the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what? Tack is crushing the game right now. And so, if you happened to be in a group with Greg Poole and Aaron Snyder and Gaius Carter and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, yeah, I don't want to shoot 140. We will literally look you in the face and say, start walking. We'll follow. Stop when you want to shoot. No one cares. doesn't matter. If you want to walk up to 65 and shoot the same thing we shot at a buck 40, no one cares because we're not keeping score. There are no prizes. Well, the prizes are random drawing shit, but your score doesn't get you anything at all, at all. So that is one of the things, whether it's women, kids, your level of shooting or whatever, that's the, that's the unique thing about tech is it's just about going there to have fun. It's about, I mean, and look, you, you saw it. I see it on online. Yeah, it's kind of about making Instagram and TikTok videos and self-promotion, but guess what folks? I'm going to clue you in on another little thing. Another little thing here. That was part of Sean DeGray's business model. And they don't is, have to he, do their own marketing. He's fucking smart. Sean is the smart. Damage, dude, the shooters do it for them. So if you're one of those guys who are like, F-Tech, it's just about the Sitka Flatbill dudes making TikToks. So what? No one cares. No one cares. Do you, I, so here's my thing. I don't, I got a giant size eight head, so I don't get flat bills. I don't have flat bills that fit me anyway. So I don't really care, but guess what else I don't have? I don't have hats that are completely got the bill bent around to where they touch with five fish hooks on it. I don't got that either. So 
I don't really care what you wear, but here's the thing. The business model of the tack is working and it's pissing off the people that want to keep the status quo. And that's just the bottom line. And if you don't like it, get in line. Cause I mean, I tax not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> it's growing. No, I mean, they're, 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 they are adding to it. And so like, you know, for me from a non like a uh, outside looking in, just walked in and, and shot a tournament. I, you know, the one thing I'll say is the ASA was run great. Uh, the new owner was great to me. Super good guy. All the people I met were good people. I, and, and again, I got to hang out with a bunch of cool people. Right. Looking at tack, I would say there was probably four to 5,000 people that showed up at park city in one shoot one. Right. I would say the average, uh, you know, at attack event roughly is 25 to 2,700. Now let's break that down even farther. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, this is facts. I'm not shit talking tack or ASA or anything else. This is just, is what it is mm-hmm. out of those, let's say 4,400. There's one arrow broken. That's 44 fucking hundred arrows broken. Right. Easton should give Sean some kind of bonus. Right. Black Eagle victory gold tip. Right. It was in Park City. I'm sure there's gold tip like humpers everywhere. AAE should literally like thank everyone because he got to put veins on them, like points, whatever. And so and uh, above and beyond that, you are you're separated at an ASA. And again, it is made for a victor. ASA is it's made to have a champion. Now, you and I, you and I, and let's say Levi and Justin Hanna, uh, let's just Nathan Brooks and I don't know, so pick somebody else, Kyle Douglas and, and Tim, Jesus Christ, and Tim, show <laughs> up to a TAC event, which I hope you guys do, and we all go shoot, head up to the top of the mountain, and then we do a Q&A at the end of that, which we would. <laughs> I would set it up. Like, I would I would be a Kafaru Q&A with, with, with these guys, and <laughs> that would be epic at so many levels because those guys i mean other than maybe tim i don't know maybe not tim maybe tim tim would take it more serious than everyone but there would be some side bets going on but it would be it would be it would be, it would be like between the crew right it would be us yeah, yeah. It, at the end everyone could meet us not to say you can't meet with those guys but as we're coming down the course you've got whoever behind you that has looked up to a levi morgan his whole life mm-hmm. levi hey can i get a picture whatever you can do that when you're when you're back, but you're shooting the same course as Levi and Greg and 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 Tim and who you know whoever else Hannah, and mm-hmm. that is a different dynamic than be, because of the competition than an ASA. And when you look at what you want to put your money into, you know now for me I'm going to start supporting the ASA as far as Kafaro goes, but it, you know when you look at it. I can literally call 15 people right now tomorrow and say, Hey man, let's go to the picket, whatever. Let's say the Utah tack 14 Mm -hmm. are going to go. Right. How many would you say if I said, let's go to Coleman, Alabama and shoot the ASA are going to go Westies zero. Yeah. Maybe one. If I pay for it. Right. Right. I mean, seriously. And is that because of the area? It could be. It, It sucks getting to Alabama. Two, right. is it because they're going to shoot with four people they don't know? 100%, right? They don't know who they're going to shoot with. You can show up attack. Right. You can shoot with your sister, your brother, your cousin, your best friend. It doesn't matter because there's no score. And so right. there's not there's no double scoring because there's no score at all. 
The next thing, right. if you suck and you show up at, a, at, a, at an event, it does not look good to miss arrows. I don't give a shit what, what course you shoot at. Like, mm-hmm. God forbid I missed a target in known bro. I mean, I might as well slept with my sister in public. Mm-hmm. It's sure. just a different dynamic totally, which is what we're you yeah. know talking about. All right. Well, look, Kyle Douglas, who was the known pro shooter of the year, shot, was tied for the lead on day one this last weekend, had an equipment issue and was missing by a foot at 50 yards by no mistake of his own. Um, it was not his bow, by the way. It was not his bow. No, it was not. No, it was not his PSE bow. That's a fact. Um, but uh, he was well out of it because of that equipment issue. You know how many times, you know how many people I've heard that be, before he posted, mind you, because he did post and he said, hey, folks, I had a, I don't suck that bad. <laughs> it was a, I, I didn't catch it until it was too late. Um, but before that happened, oh, I'm literally getting posts like, oh, yeah, there's Kyle. Look, look, look what happened to Kyle. And I'm like, oh, punching well, caught up look, with him. That's what I got. Yeah, literally. That's what I heard, too. And I'm like. Well, what, what, what did happen to Kyle? All you're looking at the score um, and you're presuming that he fell on his face. Well, that does happen, not usually to Kyle, but it does happen. But in that situation, it was equipment related. So now what? And I'll tell you something right now. I have seen it. I'm not, I'm not going to say any names, but you know, I threaten it. If like it starts to rain or something, I just want to be a big pussy. I'll be like, Oh, equipment failure. I'm done. Um, or if I was in weather, like you were in, in Coleman, Alabama, I'd be like, Oh, actually, yeah, equipment failure. I can't shoot. I'm going to stay in here in the air conditioning. I but was I've close. literally seen what's that. I was close. That was horrible. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> but I've literally seen people that are shooting so bad. They call equipment failure and just quit. So they can just quit. And they haven't, and they, their reason is equipment failure. And then no one's going to be like, Oh, equipment failure, but that's fine. But nah, dude, the, the, the tech events have presented and you know, I'm not going to, I can't salt Sean's game. You're probably, you're probably aware of it too, but you mentioned tech expansion, it's expanding farther than people realize right now, <laughs> yeah. like you're going to need a plane. And so, um, yeah, he's not sitting, he's not resting on his laurels and it's just a, you know, look, take yes for an answer just because it's not the yes to the answer that you, or the question that you asked doesn't mean that it's not working. And obviously it's working. Um, obviously, obviously it's worth, it's worthy of the investment and, you know, back to the, you know, the business model of TAC where they don't have to promote themselves. They don't need a 12 person crew for their marketing department. Their business model was to have the archers who are shooting take care of the marketing for them. And, you know, going back to the tournament side and the seriousness of it, if anything crazy or amazing happens at attack, there's all kinds of people there to capture it. Well, in the NFAA, you can have phones out. Uh, the ASA has gotten much more laxed about it, but up until recently, the, a lot of the 3d organizations banned phones because, um, of what they consider cheating, like, uh, you know, husbands texting wives and wives texting husbands and friends texting friends. Oh yeah. T- target 14, 52 yards and all that kind of stuff, which I suppose is human nature, but I just, 
would have never thought that to be a prevalent thing. And everyone I've ever talked to is like, I wouldn't believe that anyway. I mean, if you were to say that, if, if you were to just randomly text Levi Morgan, Hey dude, target 14 is 53 and a half yards. He's not going to believe you. I'm sorry. He's not at all. He's not going to believe you. And so, so, you know, part of that comes down to, and, and I'm a big moments guy. Um, I believe that, that the spirit of archery is, is moment driven. And a lot of these moments, uh, you know, they, they imprint on you. You're in my first meeting that imp- uh, when we shot together and almost we're ready to throw down that imprinted on me. You and I have had several moments, you know, when we didn't talk for shit years and then you called me back, you know, we got in touch when you were at the 260 looking like a shaved albino gorilla um, in, in that stage of your life. And, and we hooked back up and, and so for me, I'm, I'm a moments guy. And I think that the capturing of moments is really what makes archery what it is for you. You have target archery moments, 3d archery moments from prior. You're going to have more now, but right now all of your imprinted moments are, Oh gee, I don't know. How about shooting a Wolverine at like a foot and a half with a trad bow and then choking it out with a spoon? Like you're a savage, but you have all these imprinted moments. So for me, having done target archery now for 22 years, I have tons of imprinted moments, whether it's cheating on the practice range to beat Jesse Broadwater or whatever it may be. I have a lot of imprinted moments and that is to me, I think what makes archery so special. And so what tack is doing is it's allowing people to get imprinted moments that they can never forget capture whatever it may be within their own, uh, you know, bandwidth, their moments, you know, if you and I are out there shooting and it's a 120 yard goat behind a rock over a trunk, you know, over a tree and you and I both stroke it, that's really not going to imprint for us. It's not, we're going to be like, hell yeah, bro. Great shot. We'll probably forget about that in a week. 99% of archers out there, if they just pipe that shot at 120 yards, they're telling people about that for months because that that imprints on them. And so for me, I always want to make sure that, you know, whether I was doing the media thing or God going back 22 years for me, it's always been about those moments. And so for me, when I look at TAC and I look at some of these archer organizations, I see some moving away from the imprinted moment mentality towards a, a more bleached, do it this way, follow this path mentality. And that's just not what got archery here. So for me, that's one of the things about TAC that I just, I absolutely love is Sean leaves it up to the, to the participant to create their moment. Well, and on that or, or adding to that, and, and again, I want to make sure nor, neither Greg nor I, these are just facts, right? This is, it is what it is. And I, I, the ASA tournament was amazing. I had a great time, but the, uh, how would I put this? Um, like Greg said, <laughs> I have, um, OC, I, 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 I wouldn't say OCD. I have, I get bored. I want to do other shit. Right. I mean, I picked up a stick bow and I got done with that. I'm like, ah, I'll shoot some tournaments. And then I'm like, yeah, I think I'll go kill a ton of stuff. Like I bounce all over the place. I want to stay like, you know, really constantly busy. 
Most right. people have a bow that bow hunt and want to just fling some arrows, right? They want to hunt and very finite amount of, and this is where Tim can't wrap his head around this. Very, very few, a finite amount of people want to compete. And when I say compete, mm. I mean at a high level, most right. just want to have fun. And Sean was very smart with this. Now, if you are like the kid that works for me, that guided for me, Dan Collins, a bare bow guy, he made the team to go to Italy. He's going to shoot a compound next year. Very competitive. And I would say, look forward to seeing him in the future in the compound class shooting like open pro or, or, or known pro. He's got every, he's got the gift. He's going to be good. Okay. That's one guy that's young that I know the rest are going to tack events. And it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, with this, if, um, you, again, you and I and, and Levi and, and Hannah and, and Tim and Kyle, whoever all show up, what negative side would come out of that? Um, the only negative that would come out of it is if we, um, publicly, privately, we all know we're keeping, we're, we're playing skins. We're doing something to gamble, to compete with each other the whole day. We know this, but the only thing negative to come out of it would be us keeping score and then talking about that outside of our group. That'd be it. That would be the only negative. Um, the only negative would be is if we were walking off the course and some regular dudes came up and they're like, Hey guys, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And you know, how did you guys do? Cause that's what they'll ask. How did you do in our world? We hear, how did you score? So if we say, you know, when they say, how did you do? And Aaron goes, Oh, I shot 10 up. And Levi goes, Oh, I shot 16 up. And I go, Oh, I shot eight up. And they're going to be like, yeah, I'm out. That, that would be the only negative period. That'd be the only negative. We would all understand that. So our reaction would probably be like, well, Levi got three of the skins. Justin got four. Aaron got three. Greg got two. I mean, skins is a whole different matter. Skins has nothing to do with score. It just has to do with our particular unit of measure on that target. So as long as we all understood there would be no, there would be no negative. It would only be positive. It would be positive for, for us as a collective, it would be positive for our sponsors, our companies, um, all of our friendships. Cause those are some of the best times I've ever had. And so as long as we understood the context in which, in, you know, in which we were, you know, communicating with the other people, I think it would be absolutely fantastic. Well, and then, uh, you know, if you add to that, um, if we did a Q and a at the end of it, right? Like, Oh, sure. Thir third axis, Levi talking about his tournaments, you with stabilization. I mean, whatever Kyle with the, you know, the controlling the trigger, I don't pick a bunch of shit. Now, you mm -hmm. know, now right now, the two known people that go to those are, um, you know, uh, uh, Dudley is, is a, is a very known guy that goes to those and Chris B has started to go to them. Neither mm -hmm. one of those two have done like a lot on the tournament scene uh, in, in, in the last several, several years, meaning like uh, Tim hasn't lost much in the senior pro class. In fact, I feel fucking bad for those guys. Like Tim could still compete <laughs> right. in, the known, in, in the, in the, in this, in the standard, uh, you know, unknown pro class. Um, Kyle Douglas, one of the greatest archers in the known pro, very good shot. You know, Levi, obviously good at everything, right. but you know, unknown. 
you mm -hmm. known personality, um, you know, got your hands in everything, whatever me as a hunter, you know, pick it, Justin Hanna, known pro. He won shooter of the year a couple of years ago. We did a yeah. Q and a, all of us. Well, except me, I guess you're probably, you, you probably hunt less than all of them all have a hunting background. You know, there's a <laughs> lot of, 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 but there would yeah. be a lot to be gathered from that. Now, what takes oh. them away from going? Uh, um, tournaments. The first thing is schedule. Yeah, schedule, tournaments. Um, the first thing is schedule. Um, the second is, and this is, this is going to sound bad, um, is along with that schedule comes the, the, the fiduciary side of things. For folks like me, folks like you, we go, we have company associations and we don't give a shit about the cost to go. Um, I believe if properly formatted, I think Levi and Justin and Kyle would show up as well. No question. Right now, because of the schedule, when you make a time demand of archers at that level, there is compensation for that. I believe we could get around it. If I, okay. If Greg Poole asked Aaron Snyder, Hey bro, I'm putting on this thing. Come down here and stay with me and do a seminar on how to set up a pack. You'd be like, all right, cool. I'll be there. I'm going. No yep. big, right. If somebody you don't know says, Hey man, I want to come. I want you to, you know, I want Aaron Snyder and Kafaro to come to Florida. Um, and do a two day, um, extensive thing on blah, 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 blah. Well, you do that, but you had better not do that for free. Yeah, you you got to at least is, that pay is your for time. My, that is your intellectual yeah. property. That is your value. Got at least pay um, for my flight in my room. Very least. Exactly. Yep. And so when it comes to coming to events like this schedules, number one, uh, the, the, the reason matters, for instance, uh, and I don't know, you know, we'll just use Levi as an example. I don't know Matthew's total involvement with TAC, if any. If Matthews says, Levi, we want you to go to this TAC and then do a seminar. Well, that's called an appearance. And there is an appearance fee, which he has earned the right. If you're upset about that, you don't understand the business world. doesn't matter who it is at that level if you are associated with them in the business world and you want them to come do an appearance, there is an appearance fee it just depends on at what level that particular uh, personality or entity is at. Now, if Aaron Snyder and Greg Poole were like, yo, Levi, check the schedule dog. Let's do the one in Pennsylvania. So you can drive. We're all staying at your house, pool party at the Morgans, holla back at your boy. Here's who's coming. Yeah, that, that's a different scenario. And then like, oh yeah, we're all going to do a big group chat at the end. Yeah, Levi's, that's not what we're talking about. That's a homey thing. That's a collective thing. And people like Levi see the big picture. Um, so there are some small nuances to that. Um, but other than that, you know, and not getting into the, <clears throat> the political side of people like Levi and myself and yourself, uh, showing up to these events, uh, you know, the political side of the, what's the word for that? Uh, the sandbox issue, you know what I'm talking about? Um, yep. other than the sandbox issues, um, that's probably the main reason that hasn't happened. And folks like you and folks like myself, generally speaking, are the ones that make stuff like that happen because historically 
it's, it's, it's more of a, Hey, here's what we're doing. Come on, man. than it is, uh, you know, would you be able to schedule in an appearance for, yeah, no, that's not how you and me operate. We're more like, Hey dude, we're going to be here for this show up. Let's do this. It's going to be fun. And our homies reciprocate. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the difference there, but I do think that it would have a lot of value. Um, I do think that a round, a round Robin style conversation with, um, alcohol with alcohol. What's that? I said with alcohol, it's much better with alcohol. I, I, yeah, I'm not a huge drinker. I'm just huge. So the whole drinking thing, um, you know, uh, I will partake a little bit. I did. You know what? You son of a bitch. I did go get some of that screwball the other day. It's dangerous. I, as what? It, well, because it's flammable. Yes. It's dangerous. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I guess that's an acquired taste and, uh, you didn't like it. Yeah. I'm, I got an inner fat kid. Well, I'm not, well, I'm not a drinker really. So, I guess my, you know, my unit of measure was, was not, I mean, I love peanut butter. So, but it, it's sitting on top of the refrigerator with one shot taken out of it. Are you, are you friends with the uh, Perkins, Chris Perkins? Oh yeah. I like Chris a lot. You have to ask him. Cause we went to the Mexican food restaurant. He, me and him and uh, Aaron McGlattery. And I was like, Hey, can I get a screwball four shots with ice? You know, and that's like a <laughs> shot for me. <laughs> so. <laughs> Slammed it like right. water, and he looked at me like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" You know, like, "What's he about to do?" And then I'm like, "Hey, can I get four more shots?" Which and then they cut me off because I guess there's an eight shot limit, which is literally like one shot to me because I can tablets them fast. And hey, I was like, "Well, you practice. I don't practice. Yeah, so, so. It's, like, it's like it's like cardio. If you don't practice, yeah. you're not good at it. If you practice, then you're like Cam Haynes. So you're the Cam Haynes of screwball. How about I guess, that? I guess. Well, I can tell you it came out the next morning because it was so hot. But I think, though, <laughs> that it would be interesting. And, you know, as, as I as I look at this from a, a marketing perspective, out, outside, you know, outside looking in perspective, like, you know, and Sean won't do it. He's not going to make it ever competitively. Um, nope, he won't. I, I tried. Yeah. And now, you know, would Sean branch out if there was something he would want to get involved in? And let's say there was two um that you and I did, meaning like it's an offshoot of, of tack and you and I, you know, with all the different affiliates we work with, you know, scheduled it to where it didn't conflict with any, you know, major ASA or IBOs. And mm-hmm. there was two classes, meaning like there, that literally two classes, there's go shoot class, like no score. And then there's a score class. And mm-hmm. in that score class was a X amount, $50 entry fee, but to enter the money class was 300 more bucks. Right. And it was uh, joined along with the TAC event, which I don't know if Sean would ever be down for this. I -hmm. think that that would be insane because our best of the best shoot in Colorado, first place paid like five grand for first place with 190 shooters, right? Like, like very small. So if you had $300 payout per person with a distance out to 120 yards, Mm-hmm. That's anyone's game at that point. If you can shoot, you know what I mean? Cause you're not shooting for 12. So if the closest targets 68 yards, right? I mean, you're, you're shooting for 10 and you got to like Tim talks about, like you put a flat ground guy that has never messed with second, third axis and, you know, stabilization systems. It's a different world at longer distances. 
you know, maybe someone, and I'm not saying anything Levi's like super close friend, but maybe Levi would go back to the bus, in the back of the bus. Maybe he wouldn't be ready because he's used to shooting flat ground, which he would be ready. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Someone like myself would be way more potential to win at something like that because I live in the mountains. Right. What would that bring? I mean, I'm, I'm curious. What do you think? Like if, if you set that up, I, I think that would be a huge event. I mean, Gillingham would come guns blaring with 17 stabilizers that, you, you know, like 14 well, out the back and the 23 out the front. Yeah. And he would have a telephone book of cut charts and no, Tim would come more prepared than anybody ever. And so are you familiar? It's not going on right now. They canceled it due to Brexit and some other shit overseas, but the pro series. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I've okay. heard of it. So, Semi familiar. Yep. So the pro series took place in castles, old quarries, freaking 80 yard shots at 50 degrees. I'm talking hold on to your butthole type, unbelievably difficult shots in Europe. They're about that. It's invitation only. The shit fills up. If you don't get in in time, you got to get a sponsor's exemption. Like they only had like, a, I think 150, <clears throat> excuse me, 150 total shooters, but it was invite only. And they killed it over there. It was Americans started going over. Jesse Broadwater went over. Wade Smith went over. I think Tim went to a few, like they were badass. Now they're not happening right now. There's some rumors that, that it might get fired back up. However, here's the thing that we've noticed. And this is the difference between European archers and American archers is the trend. And this goes back to, you know, what you were talking about specifically with the ASA. You're shooting in a parking lot, flat. It is flat. The road's flat, the footing's flat, the shooting's flat. There's no uphill, no downhill, no side hill. It is flat. You are shooting in a wooded parking lot. And so that in and of itself, uh, makes some people want to go shoot the IBO instead because the IBO does incorporate terrain. They do it in actual woods with actual hills. Um, and so some folks prefer that. There are a lot of people that don't like just flat ground, flat shooting, like you said, the highway to the target. A lot of folks don't like that. And so, however, the constituency of the target archers that would apply to a shoot like the pro series or like a basically we'll call it a scoring tack event um, would be reduced simply because archers have become lazy. I'm sorry. I, it's not tack archers. They are out there doing the thing, but like we talked about the constituency at the ASAs and you know, a lot of the, the, you know, the a NFAAs and, and IBOs, us archery don't count because it's a parking lot as well of grass. Um, they're, they don't want to hike. They don't want difficult walking. They don't want difficult footing. They don't want difficult shots like that. So what you would need to do, and I would be all about it, by the way, Aaron, is, is if you were to do a scoring tack event, first of all, I would run it singularly. Um, because, at, you know, from my conversations with Sean, he's already tried to do the dual thing. And like I mentioned, and I think folks probably thought I was trying to make it up, but the competitive mindset at a tack event is toxic to the non-scoring vibe at attack event. It's toxic. It doesn't, it, it intimidates and people that don't want to keep score don't want to be around it. Like it, love it, hate it. I don't give a shit. It's the facts. Um, so, but you could run a scoring tack event. 
not necessarily invite only, but you incentivize it enough that yes, I believe you could get, I, I believe you could get several hundred people who thought that they would have a chance to show up. And then basically like the pro series, you, you know, promote it properly. You, you know, film it, not like a TV show, but you film enough of it to put together. It doesn't have to be live, but then you put together a, a produced video of it like pro series used to be. And I think, uh, yes, I think it would be huge. And I think that there is a growing uh, sentiment for that kind of an event. Do I think it's regionally based? Yeah, I think it's a lefty thing, but what the TAC is doing is exposing the fact that you have guys in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Tennessee and these other places that are willing to come out and do it for fun. So the question is, would they be willing to come out and do it for score in a separate event where it was not under the same vibe? Um, But I think that would be fun. I think that archery on the whole is getting easier and easier. I think Oregon, you know, not to diss on the NFAA, I love Bruce Cole and Brittany and them, but they're proposing uh, changes to the field round to make it easier, getting rid of the walk-ups and the fans and some of the the mind games that take place within those uh, events. Um, I'm like, whatever, whatever grows the sport, but they're trying to make it easier. The constituency is getting older. Um, when they have it in areas where it's very difficult shooting, they get less participation. Um, and that's just the nature of the current beast. The, the current market for target archery is, is, is aging. I don't want to use the word boomers or any of that, but the, the number of aging out archers is currently surpassing the number of young up and coming archers. And I'm talking about tournaments folks. I'm not talking about in general, although if we look at hunting numbers, we see those have been steadily declining as well. Um, but yes, I, I absolutely think a pro series style tack event scoring event would be fun as shit. And I would be there. Well, and if you look at it, like if you did it where there was a, um, you can go shoot for fun and that line mm-hmm. starts at eight o'clock in the morning or, or nine or I don't know, whatever, eight. And the, right. the scored event starts at seven. So we're, we're down the mountain a little earlier, seven thirty. you know, a little half hour break between the scoring <laughs> or there was two courses. You know, you keep right. it simpler, you know, course, uh, you know, let's say the, let's the PSE course is, mm-hmm. um, you know, starts at seven thirty, and that's the scored course, double scored, super simple. Uh, you can yep. shoot with your buddies cause nobody, no one is going to let somebody cheat, right? Like you'd have to get five really crooked guys. Like if, if target three ended up having five of the highest scores, they probably cheated. Right. But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a concern, <laughs> meaning, you can grab your buddies, double scored. The PSE course starts at 730. That's the scoring course. The, I don't know, picket, whatever. The mm-hmm. the, the the victory arrow AAE, uh, you know, Kafaru course starts at 830. That's the unscored course. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think right. it would be it would be interesting. And I mean, Sean may call me and tell me I'm full of shit or you or both. Um, <laughs> but I think that that would be worthwhile because just having like us holding the best of the best and how much money and, 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 uh, you know, that, that goes out into prize money and prizes and everything else go into that, you know, at the end of it, you know, you have a literally a sit down Q and a talking about what, I mean, think about it. Gillingham would not shut the fuck up for an hour. This is why you all sucked. Let me explain it. 
You know what I mean? But that would be good info. Gillingham is extremely intelligent or Kyle or or you or whoever or Levi. It doesn't matter. But at the end of it, take an hour break, eat a lunch and hey, go meet up with the guys and let's talk about how to fix, you know, whether it was, you know, that's everyone comes in and like we're going to talk about. Gillingham's got a 30 minute section, which would take way longer than on third axis uh, leveling, you know, whatever. Greg right. has got a 45 minute section on how stabilization systems, right. And, mm-hmm. and arrow fletching. Levi is going to talk about the mental game and dissecting a course. People right. would eat that shit up and that has never been done. And that's what I would like to, you know, to see or whatever. So I have a question for you here at a couple tax ago, you did something with the Rocky mountain elk foundation and reason and all that. What, you did a presentation or a seminar. What was that about? I just did like a Q and a talking about backpack hunting and gear and shit like that. How'd it go? Good, good. I mean, honestly, a bunch of people, a ton of people showed up, but that not that many questions were asked. There was a few, I kind of had to start. I think people were nervous. You know, I had to ask questions into the crowd, but you know, it was, it was great. Now I will say like the, uh, the speaker, it, 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 it was a little bit difficult. I had to yell at first or whatever, but if you did that and it was set up accordingly and literally was not just set up for a get together, but set up for a learning, I don't know how many people showed up, maybe 150, 200. If you set mm-hmm. it up to where courses are done at noon, you eat one o'clock, the, the knowledge starts. Mm-hmm. And think about how many people get to meet Levi Morgan on the West coast, basically none come to Reading and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you had those guys and I would, I would be willing to pay, you know, I would chip in money to get a Levi and a Hannah. And I really like Justin Hannah. He's a stud, a Hannah Mm -hmm. Douglas and a, uh, you know, and a Tim, I would be willing to chip in money to get them and say, okay, Tim, now you only got an hour and a half. That's all you got, but you got an hour and a half to tell people how to level their bow. Right. Think about how much knowledge. All right, Greg, You've got one hour to talk about stabilization systems. Doesn't need mm-hmm. to be about hunting. Doesn't need to be about target. Just needs to be about how to make your bolt hold steady. Right. Pe- people well, would that, eat that up. Yeah. In that environment, I would keep everything hunter centric. Just me personally. Um, I think, you know, folks, you know, and this is something I've been seeing for a long time. Folks from last weekend or any organization tend to live in a bubble and they tend to think that they're, their particular organization of their particular tournament organization of choice has way more stroke in the industry than it does. But folks, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Whitetail hunting is still 85% of the market. Sorry. I'm sorry. Not sorry. Um, these tournaments, these tournament organizations are simply a marketing arm for companies to sell their wares, but whitetail hunting is still 85% of the market. I just, it just is what it is. Um, that's why, you know, the hunting shows and that's, uh, it's just what it is. I, I mean, we, we all do, you know, maybe not Kafaru yet, but we do a lot of business in Europe. That's a fact. There ain't no hunting over there, but without whitetail hunting, all of our doors close. Just, that's just reality. Um, maybe not Kafaru, although you definitely penetrated very deep into that market the last five years. But um, there is, you know, that's just the reality of, of that situation. And so when, you know, when you start to look at, you know, a situation where you're going to have those kinds of people, um, coming to interact with folks like myself and Levi and Justin and Timmy and you and Kyle, et cetera. Um, me personally, 
unless specifically asked, I would, I would focus more on the hunting and the recreational side than 30 and 33 inch stabilizers and stuff simply because, um, you know, tailor the message to who's listening. That's that, that would be my thing. I think it'd be great. I do. Um, when I pitched it to Sean, I pitched a scoring course separate at a current tack event. And he was like, Nope, we tried that. It was toxic. Did not go well. We got a lot of negative feedback because let's be honest, target archers can not always can have a little sense of superiority and that becomes toxic to people who are just there to have fun. It's no different than, you know, being in a group of people that are all having a great time. And then the one guy shows up that wants to fight ruins the vibe for everybody. And that's kind of what happens. And I know that's hard for people in the tournament world to hear because when you go to an ASA, you can go from booth to booth to booth and group to group to group, whining, complaining, and bitching about how you're holding and how you're shooting and you shot an eight and this and that and the other, and everybody will do the same thing. You do that at an attack event and you're literally just running off customers because they don't give a shit about that. That's not why they're there. Yeah. It, so, no, it's a hundred percent true. And I, I think too, that, um, you know, you know, with, with everything we're talking about, you keep, I want people to keep in mind, obviously Greg have a, Greg and I have a different perspective, meaning we both shoot. Um, yeah, I'm a little different on the fact that I hunt, but we both give money and, and have taken money, meaning I have people trying to get me to, you know, uh, you know, to sponsor me and I sponsor Mm -hmm. people. And then I look at these events also as, um, from an outside perspective of, of, of what's drawing a crowd in. And it was very interesting for me because again, you can't take away the, the ability that these people have. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, it, I mean, it's unworldly, like watching some of these guys shoots amazing. Right now, when you look at that, you know, a guy from out West or a certain individual may say, well, can they hunt? And that guy may be like, Hey, he can hunt. Can he shoot? I think mm-hmm. somewhere meeting in the middle would be pretty fucking cool. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, I'm, oh, dude, I didn't, I started off as a hunter loosely, loosely used folks. Don't compare me to Aaron in any kind of way, but I started off as a hunter hunting on my buddies, you know, farms and out in the strawberry mountains down in, down in Oregon. And literally a year or two into it, they were like, let's go to this tournament. And I'm like, I'm a hunter. And they're like, well, if you shoot better, that'll make you a better hunter. And I was like, I can't argue against that. And so then I became a, you know, then I started shooting tournaments and then tournaments became my life. And then I hunted even less. So it kind of flipped the script on me, but yeah, generally speaking, and there's always examples of buck fever and crazy shit, but the better shooter you are, the better hunter you are for the most part. And that's, I mean, let's be honest. Case in point, Google Aaron Snyder. Uh, Aaron Snyder is, is crazy successful because you can sneak up on a Wolverine to six inches, but you also became wildly proficient with a stick bow, like ridiculously efficient with a stick bow. Well, all that did was make you more lethal. Now put a compound bow in your hand and I'm, I am sure other than maybe coyotes or varmints where you may intentionally take a freaking hell a long shot just for fun. You would probably rather use your skills of, of 
of hunting and sneaking and whatnot and this and that and the others to get as close as possible with a compound bow, just like you would a trad bow. However, in the circumstance where you're not able to, because of your ability, you will now be able to be extremely lethal from a farther distance. That doesn't happen because you're a bad shot. It happens because you're a good one. And so for the most part, most all of the people, not all of them, uh, but most of the people you see at ASAs, IBOs, and a lot of the people at NFAAs, the IBO and ASA probably hit on a higher number, but the NFA has a lot of hunters. Um, USA archery, probably not so much. Um, those people are, are already hunters and they are, they are honing their craft, meaning shooting the bow. Um, they are doing that at tournaments for fun, but I don't know anybody that comes to those tournaments that doesn't understand the correlation between their ability to shoot in a target situation and their ability to execute in a hunting situation. We all talk about it while we're doing it. And so, you know, that for you is what makes you extra lethal. Uh, can you sneak up to animals closer than anybody in the history of mankind? Probably not. There's probably people that can, that can get as super close like you do and then miss. And then no one cares how close you got. So, well, and it's I funny, mean, you know, you bring that up and I don't want to, you know, we're about to hit an hour and a half, but it was funny looking at what, what I, what, what, what I had seen at that shoot, which was an amazing, you know, St uh, was like, I've never hunted. I'm like, all right, right. It's different. That's why you have no fucking clue who I am. You know, not that he should or sh should not, but like he, he I could have been, you know, whatever I, mm -hmm. I don't pick it, whatever Richard Pryor, right. He didn't know who I was. And right. when, you know, w with hunting, like it's a different dynamic, you're not just, especially the way that I hunt, you're not just hitting what you're aiming at. You got to hike in there. You got cliffs and mountains and you got to, you know, survive off very little food and all the other stuff. Right. It's different, right? All of it's different. Um, you know, but to, to kind of circle, you know, all of this back, you know, in, 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 into like, you know, what, what, what I was interested in was one, it was amazing how well those people shot. Two, mm -hmm. why does TAC events have four times more, three times more than an ASA? Why right. does why do TAC events have more um, new newcomers than? And again, like I get it. Like if you have four shoots in Alabama, going to be a lot of people from Alabama, local states showing up. Like with TAC, right. you've got uh, what South Dakota, Utah, Montana, Colorado, Pennsylvania, Tennessee. And I'm missing, a, I don't know, three or four. Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, I'm I missing some. I should know because I send my people to all of them. Vermont or somewhere yeah. else out there. Texas. There's yeah. 10 total. Yeah, Vermont and Texas. I think that was all of them. You know, yeah. and again, yeah. average 2,500 people. I can tell you at mm -hmm. my booth what we, I, well, I'm not going to tell you. I can tell you at my booth it's worthwhile for us to go. <laughs> so... Uh, it's it's weird because I mean again getting into the tournament scene I'm not looking at this like it was an amazing tournament I am not town talking ASA at all mm -hmm. but you definitely can look at it in the sense of there is something missing with those tournaments and I'm when I say something missing there is nothing missing with an ASA how it's run right you're the best shooters in the world going there it's unbelievable right but there's a lot more people to come to attack and that Absolutely. is a fact. And, and, and I'm, again, I'm not talking good, bad or indifferent, but it was interesting. And, and me who I can shoot well enough, you know what I mean? I didn't thank God again. I didn't embarrass myself. 
But I can tell you what, if I missed an arrow or if I finished in the bottom 10, I would literally be laughing. I mean, I kept hearing, don't be a bracket. I'm like, oh, fuck. What the fuck does that mean? Don't be a bracket. So, yeah, well, he came in and look, I was doing bow junk at the time and I don't care about Chris Brackett, but he was there bringing attention, bringing camera crews. So I was like, hey, look, I don't care how he does. I'm going to be positive about the guy. I'm going to talk to the guy because he had a huge platform. I didn't really care. But yeah, dude, he came in talking how he was going to lay pipe to people. And so there was, a like I told you, there's going to be a bunch of stone cold killers, stone cold killers waiting in the known pro class for you. And they are not going to care. They're going to do what they do and let God sort out the bodies. And so, but you didn't come in with the arrogance and you didn't come in with the attitude that he did. So where you finished was, was fine. Um, so you're not going to catch all the heat that he did simply because you didn't come in with the arrogant attitude that he did. And you and I talked about it several times before, and you already know what would happen if you would have been like, Greg, I'm fitting to go out to the known pro and just lay pipe. And I'd be like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm sorry, brother. I love you, but no, you're not. So, oh, and, and if you think you are, don't say that out loud. Just don't say it. Oh. You can think it. That's cool. But don't say it out loud. He did numerous times and then didn't even deliver at the level you're delivering at. So I'll just leave that at that. Not to degrade the guy. He was nice enough to me. I don't care. But, um, yeah, and I mean, you know, as far as the, the newcomers in TAC, that is all about being judged. 100%. 100%. I mean, I have been dealing with staff situations for a couple decades now. And I've literally gotten so many of the emails of, oh, yeah, I took first in my, first in my class. Well, yeah, you took first in the seventh flight. Each flight has 25. You finished like 400, bro. So what? But they got first in their flight, so they consider that a first period. Well, not very many people's egos these days can handle going into a new situation like that and then it being on public record that they just got thumped because they're probably pretty good where they come from. But you come to an event like an ASA or an NFA or an IBO national event. Yeah, bro. You're good at home. Doesn't hang here. Trust me. I know. I know. I was really good at home. I go to national events against Jesse Broadwaters and Dave cousins and freaking Levi Morgans and all these guys. <laughs> There's levels to this. And even though I was a one percenter, I wasn't in the top of the one percent like those guys were. And that's just the reality of it. So I'm glad you went. I, I mean, you had a great time. You know, I already, I talked to Levi and, and Stefan messaged me and you were well received because you're a cool dude. You didn't go out there and be all arrogant and try to be a douche, douche nozzle about nothing. You were just like, yo, I'm here to play. Let's play. And then afterwards, let's go eat and have some peanut butter whiskey. Oh, so, we did that. When did Brackett <laughs> shoot and what class did he shoot in? Holy hell, that was that was around the first year of the OPA. So that had to be 17, 
had to be 17, 17-ish, 17-ish, 16, 17. Um, I don't remember if he shot the known 50 or the open pro in the ASA. All I know is it didn't go well. No, because I'm reading scores. Like, look at this. Like, Curtis uh, Broadnax was 67, and that dude's crushing it now. Like, he can shoot. In fact, he shot like a 206 and a 193, which makes me feel really good about how I shot this last weekend. Um, Right. Well, and and once again, that goes to course management. So what everyone needs to understand is that the ASA, because the 12 rings are in the top corners of the 10, Aaron Snyder can shoot in the middle and catch a few 12s and end up 20 up. If he misses where he's aiming by an inch, he's still going to be a 10 and might catch a 12. If you're gunning hard for a 12 and you miss by an inch, you could be a five. And I took that into heavy consideration when I walked onto the course, believe me. (laughs) Right. So, you know, in some, you know, like Curtis Broadnax is a good kid in his defense he was probably gunning hard for 12s and there's just no room for error when you do that. There's just none. I mean, you could make a decent, I mean, let's be honest, dude, you're aiming for a 50 cent piece at 52 yards. And if you bobble and miss that by a half an inch, that's not that big of a miss. You now went from a 12 to an eight. Oh, and I am not talking shit about that guy at all. That dude can shoot. Oh Oh, yeah. Oh, Curtis is a great kid. Believe me, if I wouldn't have shot with Justin and Levi the day before at the OPA and thought, I'm going to shoot at everyone, see what happens, I probably would have had a much lower score on day one. OPA or or GPO? GPO, GPO, the German Precision Course, whatever it was. Yeah, OPA, that's funny. Just kidding. Um, Because I literally was like, okay, this is out of my league. Like, I'm a quarter out low, quarter out. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I'm going to shoot in the middle. And I told myself, no matter what, shoot in the middle. Like, just... Shoot in the middle. You right. shoot a two, two ten, two oh six, two oh four. Shooting plus points, and I did. I said, you know what? And 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 again, my skill level is not where these guys' skill level is at. And literally, like on target fifteen, when when Stephen hadn't missed but one twelve, I was literally like, as he's telling me to aim at his arrow, I'm like, you are proof I shouldn't be, because I am not that fucking good. <laughs> Like, holy shit, you are good. And the dude's the size of my fucking calf muscle. Like, he's little. And this dude is a monster, right? right? Yeah. I mean, the guy can shoot. And a super good guy. I mean, he, you know, he was showing me his house in Costa Rica or wherever he lives. And, you know, great guy. I mean, I had a, a lot of fun. But, I mean, when I saw the scores when we got done, I'm like, oh, that's depressing. Like, you know, when right. they have, like, the top whatever, there was, like, plus 20, plus 16, mm-hmm. and then plus 4. And it said, like, 40 others. I'm like... Jesus, on day one, I didn't even make 40 others. I got to step up my game. Like, shit. (laughs) Right. Well, and I mean, and that's the levels, man. That's just, you're just not going to come out to this. I mean, there's things to learn. It just, there's an adjustment period. Um, And look, what Stefan told you about either aiming at his arrows or, or keep aiming at the middle and cut three, four clicks and drop into them. That's something that you would learn after a couple shoots, period. Mm -hmm. That's something you could probably teach yourself at home, but you have to know how far with your bow speed and your arrow, et cetera, you have to know what four clicks will do. You have targets, you have targets at home, literally go out there at 48 yards, shoot one arrow in the middle at 48 yards, cut four clicks and shoot for that arrow again and see where it hits. If it pipes the 12, you're like, Oh, that's no, 
Okay. And then you do that enough to get comfortable with it, but it takes you time to acclimate. That's all there is to it. Oh yeah. No, it was cool. I mean, I, I had fun like in, in the reality, if somebody asked me like, Hey, would you do anything different? I probably would have shot in the pins class. Cause I like shooting pins, <laughs> but I right. would get made fun of a lot. And I get that. I rightfully so. But, but at the end, I mean, it was a fun shoot. It was super cool. The guys were awesome. You know, it was, it was great. I mean, I learned a lot. And one of the things I learned is like, okay, like if I'm going to do these, they're going to be in the earlier ones. Fact. Right. Right. First three. <laughs> I, I other one is I'm going to start judging yardage because back in the day I could judge yardage, you know, within a yard enough to keep it in the 10. And I do want to shoot a couple IBOs and see how those go. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, and uh, Dale Jones, I did a podcast with him earlier, hang out with him, but you know, from marketing standpoint, meaning just like going out there and flying the flag, it'd be smarter to do three tacks, two ASAs and two IBOs. Yeah. I I mean, mean, so my personal opinion uh, if, if, if I was Aaron Snyder, I, I would absolutely shoot a hunting class hundred percent. That's who and what you are. You are, a, you are a fantastic archer period. Um, but the pins class, like, well, like you just said, you said earlier, you said, when you called me, those are your people. And those are the people that, you know, you are absolutely going to be, uh, at home with, not just in, in, you know, you'll probably, you'll do better result wise. There's, there's no doubt, but let's be honest. Those are like, those are literally your people. Those are your customers. Those are the people. Those are the people that show up at camp to hunt with me. That's what I'm saying. Those people are going to sit there. Those people aren't going to really give a shit how you're shooting. Not to say anything about the known pro guys. The known pro guys care how you're shooting. Those guys ain't give a fuck how you're shooting for the most part. They're going to want to hear, shooting Wolverines at 10 feet stories. They're going to want to hear, you know, chasing Billy goats up slate shale mountains and flip flops with a spork. So they are going to be looking at Aaron Snyder in a totally different light. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm going to do, whether I shoot pins or open or whatever, but in, in, and again, another part is I'm outclassed in the known pro I am not young again. And my vision's not where it needs. And I'm not going to put a fucking lens in my eye. Like Tim, like it is not that important to me. Because the reality, I was telling Amy when I left, I was like, I've spent 20 some years looking at where the arrow is going to exit far more right. than where it's going to enter. And and not yep. to say that you can't see the rings, right? But I mean, the reality is, is when you go hunting, if you can hit a baseball at any any distance, you're, you're going to be a machine, right? Now, right. I've went from a baseball to a quarter, and, and, and it, it was, it was amazing. You know what? It was just watching these guys score. It was, it was cool. I mean, it was, it was, and it was humbling as well in the sense of like, okay, even at my best, I don't know that I could have run with these guys back in the, maybe I could have, like, I don't know, but either way, um, it, it, again, it, it was a good, com- I wanted to get you on here cause you've been around the block and you've seen a few things. Cause you know, one mm-hmm. of the things, again, I looked at was TAC, IBO, ASA, you know, th- those, that, that conversation, you know, as well as like, I mean, the reality of, of, uh, Amy's like, you know, like, did you miss any? I'm like, no, I shot like one eight. Oh, and I'm like, you don't fucking understand, honey. These guys are shooting quarters. And I told, I told her that when I left, she's like, I know you're going to crush it. And I'm like, well, you got more confidence than I do. I'm like, I hope I'm not embarrass myself. Like in the sense of, you know, again, like not, not shoot horribly bad, not choke basically. But right. You know, oh, to, go ahead. Not only that, Aaron, they're shooting quarters and 50 cent pieces. They can't even see. Yeah. They're, they're area aiming. Now, like Stefan said, 
I mean, if if Aaron Snyder shot first and you piped a 12, you're probably going to lose that knock because Stefan's going to shoot it off. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, and, and again, like with everything we talked about on this, I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that we, we're not going to dive into because we don't have enough time, you know, it's also just your bow setup as a hunter listening in, like, um, you know, you can be um, that act. Well, not maybe quite that accurate, but pretty close with a hunting setup. And and one of the things that, you know, the reality of all of this is, is as far as like bow tuning and setting up your bow and stabilization system. I mean, you know, I came back last night and I had a, a kind of a prototype bow I was working on. And, you know, the cool thing is, is you know, like I just went from like, shit, I didn't hit a quarter to, oh, all right, I'm in a softball again. I'm good, you know, and I'm shooting out to whatever one one twenty. Just you know, basically like working on this thing accuracy wise. It's right. it's cool because the thank God I can tune right. Like I didn't have any problem. It's not like I walked in and my bow was all jacked up. But for me, it goes back to like you know my season. Like I'm getting ready, going antelope hunting. I'm going to Kodiak Island, uh, heading in to help a buddy on a mule deer. I'm going back into my realm, and right. I just was fucking not in my realm. And I mean, like I was maybe scratching it but it, it was truly unbelievable how those guys can shoot and it was awesome too not to bounce all over the place it was cool to see levi win uh, again like oh, yeah. levi is one of the nicest guys in the world you could ever meet and hannah was there it was funny because i had some photos i was holding the umbrella for levi and i was like hey right. you give me the umbrella he's like man i'll hold it and i'm like i want your arms rested because i want you to fuck everyone up so give me that umbrella <laughs> so the archery right. hooligan sent me a photo of myself he's like what are you an umbrella holder and i'm like with pride yep right. i was letting his arms rest guy, for that guy yes oh yeah no he's a he's a he's a good good dude um and, and it's amazing mm-hmm. too what is it that how many classics has he won jesus I've, I've, uh, I don't know, 12. I, I I don't know. It's ridiculous. Dude, he won shooter of the year 12 years in a row. It's ridiculous. I, I doubt he even knows to be honest. I don't know, but I broke us. <laughs> I broke a string. He said he normally buys, but I snuck out and paid for the, the, the bill. Uh, cause I promised, I said, if you win, I'm buying. And right. they basically handed it to him. Like, you know what I mean? As far as like watching or whatever. And this is how depressing it must've been for Danny McCarthy quarter inch at the most out of the 14 unknown yardage at some pokes i mean he was gunning for him and i mean right. like it and think about that unknown yardage and one of those was like i, I think the the brown bear is probably 48 i don't think he missed it mm-hmm. by a 16th of an inch game right. changer right eight right. instead of a 14 it, it, and, and that's unknown yardage i mean those guys are very very impressive oh, yeah it's crazy absolutely crazy Yes, sir. Well, hey, man, I I appreciate you having me on today. Gaius and I will be arriving at Casa de Snyder uh, on the 11th, and uh, we'll hang out 12th. Look forward to being there for the uh, Kafaro Grand Opening up there in Riverton, Wyoming. I'm super excited for you guys, proud of you guys for the work you put in. And uh, then then we'll blaze out the next morning, hopefully not peanut butter whiskey hungover. Yeah, no, I'll need a little because of the amount of people uh, to be sociable because I'm just I just talk way more shit when I'm drinking, so it's good. I'm I'm more of an introvert instead of extra introvert uh, introvert instead of introvert when I'm drinking, so it's good. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, it's going to be a great time, brother. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, buddy. Later.